Warning. This episode contains adult language and content. They say the pen is mightier, but in whose hands? So we'll pitch your stories head to head and find out which one lands. All three sham writers haven't read a lot. So your sham host will find a famous plot. From books and films and TV shows, they'll make a pitch. Then off you go to write what you don't know. Sham Fiction, the show where two writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Eric Carlson. Thank you, British voiceover lady. Welcome to Sham Fiction, everybody. As they, as she mentioned, I'm Eric Carlson, your host for today. Uh, and this is this is Sham Fiction, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Uh, <laughs> and joining me today is two writers, same two writers that will always be staring at me. God, your faces are beautiful. Just, you're so happy to be here. Uh, first of all, we have uh, writer number one, behind door number one, uh, Marcus uh, James Mann. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, how you doing? Say hello. I'm doing well! I'm confused about the new middle name. Yep. And uh, writer number two, just ignoring your confusion, uh, we have uh, Andrew Lee Neal. That doesn't sound good. See, it doesn't sound James good. James sounds good with everybody. It's but true. Neil, it's true. But Lee, it's specific. Sounds good for you, Marcus. I like, I like Lee as a middle name because it makes me adverbial. Oh, it's, it's uh, Marcus Lee. Yeah. It's, it's just it's very... How, how do you do your writing? He was Marcus Lee writing. <laughs> I never put that together. I like that a lot. But why am I number two? You're number two because in our last episode, you were number one. <laughs> you're that more solid. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good joke. Uh, you get it? It's, it's, you're like poop. It was it's a, a poop joke. It was some Marcus Lee joke. <laughs> I don't like being poop. I wasn't, I wasn't good. I, all right. I like the way this episode is starting. Doing great. We're all off on the right foot. And uh, I've gathered you here today. Because we're talking about a fun little movie that until uh, a couple weeks ago, I'd never even heard of. Ooh. This mm. is a uh, film from 1995 called Demon Knight. And not just Demon Knight. It is Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. Ah. And that's Ooh. Knight with K. Oh. It's like, you know, you got your you got your armor and your swords, Sardinate. That's Sardinate. That, that's not where my mind went first. Demon Knight. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think Night of the Demons is a movie, a very different movie. There are probably at least three or four movies called Night of the Demons. Most likely. Yeah, but this is uh, all its own. Uh, it was written in direct... Wait, no, sorry. It was written by three folks, oh. Ethan Reif, Cyrus Voris, and Mark Bishop. Give them a credit where it is due. And then the movie was directed by Ernest R. Dickerson. Just right. you Ernie know, for, Dickerson. For everybody keeping track at for home. For his friends. Yeah. Hey, Ernie. How you doing? This is a shout out to you, buddy. You made a good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you so much for everything you do. Did you check to make sure he's still around? He's still uh, with us? That's it doesn't good... matter. It doesn't matter. You can hear us from above. From beyond, wherever he is. Yeah. <laughs> he may be alive. He may not be. That's... You know, headcanon, he's dead. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, so, that's Ernie, dark. Ernie, we miss you, buddy. Uh, oh, no. No. <laughs> no offense meant to the family of the living or dead, Ernest. You know, either way, either way, I miss him. Is it our... Ernie Ernest R. Dickerson. I wonder For what radical. his middle name is. We've been on this, ta- <laughs> this We've been on this middle name thing. Radical. I like Ernest that. Radical Dickerson. And All you right. know what? He is. He is a radical Dickerson. He's so I haven't heard of this dude. other than you said, "Hey, I saw this movie. We should probably do it on the show." Yeah, <laughs> that was probably a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and we were like, "Yep, okay." That was a it was a true story. Uh, anyway, this is a crazy, crazy movie, and I gotta I gotta tell you all about it. But I only have eight minutes to tell you details about it. So if y'all are ready, should we get into it? I'm so ready. Because I'm going I'm to tell you some stuff. cowboy. And then you're going to write some stuff based on the based on the stuff I said. You yeah. See, that's how the show is, is. That's how it works. That's how it works. I can do that. Wait, you, you two have been here before. You've I done have. this. Okay. I don't know why I'm explaining it to you. You're the expert. You may have been confusing me, Marcus James man, <laughs> with my identical twin, Marcus Lee man. Wow, your parents. Just strange. Yep. Strange. Anyway, let's do this thing. Pitch session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, let's jam. Demon Night all takes place in one location. So your job is easy and it's a fantastic location. It's a place called the Mission Hotel. 
It is in New Mexico, and it is an old converted church that has been it's been shut down and then repurposed as a boarding house. So it's the Mission Hotel, and the entire thing happens over the course of one night at this one place. Now, the Mission Hotel. There are a few people who frequent. We have, uh, and I'll just I'll just list these characters real quick. Uh, we got first of all, uh, Irene. She owns the place. She's like a tough as nails, like older, like middle-aged sort of black woman who's just like tough and and badass and bright, like everybody in this movie. Uh, two, uh, we have Geraldine, who or Geraldine. I actually don't remember how they pronounce it, but whatever. We call That's her Jerry. Enough. I don't care. But anyway, she is. She does. She's Jada Pinkett. Oh, pre-Smith. Just oh, Jada Pinkett. Yeah. Yeah. This is her in her prime. And she is this convict. Like, she is a criminal. She's a hardened criminal. And she dresses the part. But she's on work release. She's working for the hotel as part of her sentence, you see. Because she'd done bad things. But she's here to repent. Makes sense. It's in a church. Mm. But it's not a church because it's a boarding house. Also, in this boarding house, there are prostitutes. Actually, there's one prostitute. And her name is Cordelia, and uh, you know what? what? The only note I have about her is a prostitute. Is <laughs> she a current prostitute? She is a, she's a prostitute. Okay. It's a boarding house. It's it's not a very clean place. It's, sure. a, it's got a bit of an ill repute, but, you know, she works. She works there. Yeah, active, I didn't know she was a reformed. Active prostitute. Sure. Cordelia. Cordelia. <laughs> yeah, I should have wrote active in the mm-hmm. description of Cordelia. Uh, next, we got Roach who uh, I'm just going to give you a little language uh, warning that I uh, wrote down his description as greasy fuckball. (laughs) Uh, He is a regular client of Cordelia's. Yeah. Uh, He's uh, played by Thomas Hayden Church. (gasps) No way! Of Ned and Stacy fame? I I don't know, but I will assume that you're right. Wings Wings fame. I I don't know. I knew you'd Sideways? I've seen that. I'm, I'm, I've a seen big, I'm, I'm a Hayden head. I can tell. But he's in this. He's great. But he's a greasy fuckball. Okay. Uh, and then we have Wally, who is a... Uh, who a is lovable a, robot. A <laughs> <laughs> robot. Uh, kind of. Actually, he's a, he's, a, he's a sad sack postal clerk. He's oh. just kind of hanging around all the time. And he's kind of in love with Cordelia. But oh. he's just kind of this sad sack. And so Cordelia don't pay him no attention. No sure. tension. No tension no at all. No attention or tension. Actually, there's plenty of tension. Ooh, but yeah. only on his part. Because sad sack. Uh, and then we got a character named Uncle Willie. <laughs> okay. Who is the local drunk. Oh, of course. And uh, he shows our main character, who I have not even mentioned, Whoa. into the Mission Hotel. Uh, and uh, our, our main character, his name is Frank. Frank Breaker, uh, played by William Sadler. Do you know this name? I do not know that name. All right, well, too bad. That's fewer points for you. Oh. Is uh, he the guy who did all those new Netflix movies? William Sadler? Oh, and it's Adam Sandler. It's Adam Sandler. You're confusing. <laughs> yeah, okay. common mistake. It looks nothing like it. <laughs> anyway, Frank Breaker. He shows up. Uh, he's he's kind of shown uh, into this Mission Hotel after he's in a really terrible car crash. You see, because he was driving through the roads in New Mexico and chased by this mysterious man in another car. Four minutes remaining. Four minutes remaining. They get in this big wreck and he runs. He runs away from the wreck and he finds local drunk Uncle Willie. (laughs) And Uncle Willie's like, yeah, come on over here. And takes him to the Mission Hotel. (laughs) I'm Uncle Willie. Yeah, and then he like, he gets a room at the Mission Hotel and just kind of starts hanging out. He's trying to lay low because he's trying to stay away from whoever this was that was chasing him on the highway. And Frank has in his possession a mysterious satchel what's in the satchel people ask you don't tell he's keeping it a secret he's keeping it down low frank's got a satchel it's a mystery we don't know what's in the satchel Ooh, mystery satchel mystery satchel what's in the satchel (laughs) i'll get to that okay but first the man who was chasing him shows up oh is all sorts of stuff happens see the man chasing him is none other than (laughs) billy zane (gasps) Billy. The hero of the Karate Kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... Everybody's favorite character Everyone's... from Back to the Future. <laughs> the hero of Titanic. 
Billy Zane. I'm a real uh, zaniac. He shows up. He is the man who's been chasing Frank. His name isn't Billy Zane in this. Uh, but he shows up. Uh, the cops show up. Uh, sheriff gets called and his bumbling deputy. There's a lot of people in this hotel. Uh, and it turns out Billy Zane is actually a demon uh, that they call the Collector. Because you see, in this satchel, in Frank's satchel, he's got this artifact called the Key. This is, this is an ancient artifact, one of seven artifacts that in ancient times, like 2,000 years ago, whatever, was just spread into far corners of the universe because if all seven of these keys get brought together, they would give the demons the power of the universe. They'd be able to take over, do whatever they want, run amok, it'd be hell on earth. They're like infinity stones. Pretty much, pretty much. They're MacGuffins. Uh, two, minutes remaining. two minutes remaining. So the demons up to this point have collected six of Uh-oh. these oh, keys. And man. Frank is, he's in possession of the last one and he's trying to keep it away from the demons. And the crazy thing about this key is that it is actually, it's, it's like a vial. It's a flask, like a glass flask with like metal kind of worked around it. I don't know, it's not really key shaped at all. It's more flask shaped yeah. actually. But it's filled with the blood of Christ. Ooh. That, Jesus Christ. Oh, That's oh what I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I was like the other one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and... Uh, it's it gets topped off over the years by fresh blood, but basically the person <laughs> from Jesus. No, not from Jesus. It's just from other sources. Okay. I'll get. I'll, I'll see if I can get to that. <laughs> we go back to the Jesus well. Yeah, but <laughs> the Jesus well. Um, basically, the person who is guarding this thing, they this 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 key. It's like it's passed on. And if you have the key, you basically live forever. It gives you like a mortal life. This Frank has had this. Has had it since like World War One, and he uh, he got the blood from his dying commanding officer, who was the guy who was holding it before. Basically, does that make sense? So the guy died. His blood went into it, passed on to him. Um, So basically, what ends up happening is uh, Billy Zane punches through the sheriff's face, ends up outside the Mission Hotel after killing the sheriff by punching straight through his face. It's awesome. um, basically grows a bunch of like a demon army by spilling his own weird green blood and they bubble up into gooey gooey sort of 80s 90s era monster effect demons that are amazing and it's just th- them trying to get into the mission hotel and they're all holed up they use this key the blood from the key to guard the doors and windows they spread it along the doors and windows and it keeps the demons out right so billy zane is using his magic psychic powers to try to affect the minds of the people inside the mission hotel oh, awesome. they're getting in their head and seducing them he's charming he's suave he's funny he's billy he's zane. great Time's up. and that's it that's it. That's it. That's all That's I could do. Oh man. It took a lot longer than I expected. Oh boy. <laughs> Eight minutes is not as long it's as the whole movie. It's not as long. It is not movie. a whole movie. Oh, no. Nope. But uh, I hope that's uh I hope that's enough. To I'm go intrigued. Off of. I just needed Billy Zane. You could have started there yeah, and yeah. stopped there, and I would have been a okay. <laughs> it's been about seven and a half minutes explaining the Christ blood cup. <laughs> yeah. You see. Jesus. Anyway. we got to go back to the Jesus tab. You do have a little more time to wheedle some extra information out of me. Oh, yeah. However, because you each will get two minutes to ask however many questions you want, however you can fit into two minutes. But we got to do it one at a time because I don't want each of you hearing the other person's questions and answers, right? Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Mm-hmm. Great. So I'm going to randomly choose and say that uh, door number two, Andrew... Gets to be question number one. The more solid of the, the writers. Exactly. So, Marcus, you have to leave the room so that Andrew can ask some questions. All right. I'll see you in a little bit then. Have fun asking some questions. All right. Thanks. All right, Mr. Neal. Ask your questions. Two minutes. Here we go. Two minute Q&A. Begin. Okay. So... I'm assuming that this is a very violent movie. Oh my ass! Billy, Billy Zane punched through a sheriff's head, and yeah. we see it explode, blood. But guts. it's that great '80s '90s era, just like over the top, yeah. super cool practical effects sort of yeah. movie. Everything's kind of wet. Oh, yeah. very Vaseline covered everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. What what did the what what did the demons look like? They're just these kind of like creepy little monsters. They're kind of dinosaur-like almost. They're just they're orc-like. They're just okay. kind of gross, bony little bastards. I don't know how to describe them. They're just gross. <laughs> bony little You know what? Bastards. They're whatever you want them to be. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Frank, he is 
he's not like he just came upon this vial like by chance like he wasn't like in a line to do basically it. he was okay. just given it at the at the previous guy's death okay so thus the filling with blood so so his commanding officer was dying filled up the vial with his own blood to top it off basically and it kind of mixes with the old blood in there so you still okay. got some jesus blood in it and then hands it off and thus he becomes the new protector so is he the titular demon knight uh, what I is guess that makes sense right <laughs> that, that stands to reason yeah so is there anybody because when i hear that i think knight in armor but that's not part of it no there's, no there's no uh, 30 seconds 30 remaining seconds. um i think at you know at some point there was probably you know middle ages this has existed since the dawn of time this has uh, sure. been filled since you know jesus died so yeah there stands to reason okay okay um man i don't have a lot of time left um one more uh, what's the church like? Like, what kind of church? It's like a New Mexico, Old West sort of Adobe-style, mission-style church. Oh, okay. I suppose it's the mission. It's got stained glass and stuff. Lots of windows. Time's up. And that's it. Okay. Time's up. I feel good about this, though. But I need to good. go now. Yeah, yeah, get out of here. Scamper. Okay. And then uh, send Marcus in. I will. I'll go get him. Go cool. Hey, Marcus, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Good. Are you are you ready for your two-minute question and answer? Oh, my, yes. I'm so, so excited. So just to review, if you end up asking any questions that Andrew already asked, yeah. I will have to decline to answer. You'll have to ask another question. Okay. Because we can't have any repeat information, and I want you to write in the same story. Right. So uh, if you're ready. Yeah. Two-minute Q&A begin. Okay, first of all, our hero, Frank, right? Yep. Was he working alone, or were there other people involved in his mission? Always one. There's always one protector of the key. Okay, so this is the only key that has a protector at this point, because the other ones have all been destroyed. All in the hands of the demons, not destroyed. In the hands of the demons. Yep. You said it was across the universe. <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's that's what they say. That it's just, not just on Earth, though. We don't not... see demons in spaceships or anything. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this is one ended up. It's on like Earth, the Miss Universe pageant. It, like, yeah, oh, it's just Earth universe. We just assume that we're the center of everything. Okay. Uh, so this hotel. Uh, can you give me time and place again? This is the eighties, maybe. Uh, so the film is from nineteen ninety-five. Mm-hmm. So we can assume it's about then. And I said before it was New Mexico. Okay. What's the tone here? Just it's like a funny. Uh, you know what? It ever, is actually or? pretty funny. Um, the funniest part being Billy Zane. Yeah. Because he's just over the top. He's silly. Sure. You know what I mean? He's he's droll. He's uh, charming. So it's like there's a lot of humor there. But the people who are trying to survive this, getting attacked by the demons and hold up in this church, not having a good time. So, so that's it- very serious. Are there a bunch of other people in the hotel who are like cannon fodder people, or nope? Is it everybody just, that just I mentioned, that's everybody okay. inside. The only one I didn't really get into detail was the deputy is still there at that point. Okay, um, which I guess I could give you a name if you sure, wanted. Yeah. Uh, but you know, ask me another question while I find it. Yeah, uh, what's the, oh, gosh, what's, what's the grossest thing that happens in this movie? Oh, uh, the grossest thing that happens. Um, the owner of the place, uh, Irene, gets her arm ripped off at one point. Okay, so not a very gross movie. It's not, like, crazy. There's probably more grossy stuff. I just can't think All of right. off the top of my head. And the guy's name is Bob. Bob. Sheriff Bob. The bumbling deputy. Bob. deputy. There you okay, go. gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited. I'm excited for you. Thank and I'm you. excited to hear it. And look at this. We still have time. Oh, I still got time. Time's oh, up. up. Time's up. All right. That was a good, good Q&A session. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. you get out of here. I'm out. I'm gone. And so Andrew and Marcus are going to write their stories. And then after the break, we get to uh, we get to hear them head to head. And we get to judge them harshly, hopefully. And I'm excited. Stick around. <laughs> Hey, I know you just heard my voice, but I'd like to take this opportunity in the middle of the show to thank you, the listeners of Sham Fiction, for making this show possible. You've been spreading the word to your friends, telling people about the show. You've subscribed on iTunes. You've given us ratings on iTunes. You've even donated to our coffee page. That's uh, www.ko-fi.com slash shamfiction. You've done a lot. And for those of you who are maybe new to the show or you've been listening for a while and you you enjoy it and you want to maybe kick back a little bit, you just do one or all of the things that I just mentioned. 
everything that you do is extremely helpful and we thank you from the bottoms of our shams whatever that means thank you all right welcome back to sham fiction demon knight demon knight y'all ready for this y'all ready for this we got two two count them two that's the number after one writers who have just been off in some dark plane of existence probably called new mexico writing uh, a version of uh this really weird movie from 1995 that i just spent the last like <laughs> 10 minutes talking about called demon knight called called wait hold on wait for it tales from the crypt presents demon knight marcus and andrew how are you feeling Qu- how query. you feeling? uh i forgot marcus. to include the crypt keeper can i have another 10 weeks to rewrite my shim you can have 10 seconds starting now andrew while Marcus is adding the Crypt Keeper to his story, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty strong, Eric. I yeah? This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the heck out of writing this, and I hope you and our gracious listeners enjoy it as well. You feel like you got a winner in your pocket? Is that what that is? Is that confidence for the victory tonight? <sighs> that's, that's what's in my pocket, is a, is a full <laughs> pocket of confidence down there. That's that's what's uh, filling up I them thought... pants down there. It's all that confidence. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were just happy to see me. Oh, I always all am. All right, Marcus, now that you've written the Crypt Keeper into your story, my <laughs> God, it better be, better be in there. That was good. That was pretty good. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling all right, but now after Andrew's little laugh, I feel like I need to go and rewrite to include Salacious Crumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know good. the difference between them. They're both ugly, monstrous little creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a is a Quidditch star, I believe. Uh, if I'm getting that reference correct, I think that's right. <laughs> yep. That's, yep. That's right. Salacious Crumb player on the uh, Durmstrang team. I don't know. Dur- Dur- Recurring snogger Dur- for Hermione Granger. Yeah. There you go. Uh, anywho's. Guys, let's just let's just do this. I'm let's excited. Some stories. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? Are, are we're, we just talking about whatever the hell it is we're talking about it's right a demon now? Uh, Salacious Crumb, star player of the Derm Flurm Fliggity Blobbits. Did they come yeah. in third in the House Cup last year? <laughs> I, I, you know what? It's hard to compete with the likes of Slime McCroom. <laughs> oh gosh! Second week in the row. I, I tell you, that J.K. Rowling is sure a good writer. Oh, oh look at Marcus's face. He's so uh, mad. We better I tag these episodes Rowling. with Harry Potter so that the Harry Potter fans can find us and love it. <laughs> and love it. All right. So because, because last week on the show, on the program that you're listening to now, uh, Andrew went first. So I'm going to make him go second. Marcus. That's me. You're up. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yep, let's hear your version of of uh, t- Tales from the Crypt presents <laughs> Demon Knight. <laughs> okay. I, I did write in a Crypt Keeper scene, but then I remembered that that happens at the beginning and the end of the piece, and this scene takes place in the middle, so sorry. Yeah, it would just oh, be yeah. weird for him to pop Good up excuse. in the middle. It doesn't make any sense. All right, he here just, we go. just lost 10 points. Here's Marcus Mann presents Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight. <laughs> Wally had imagined how he would win her a thousand times. Some nights he dreamt he was handsome and charming, and she realized how wrong she had been to ignore him. Others he became wealthy enough to buy the Mission Hotel and save her from this life. He never guessed the answer would come from an angel. Wally, 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 are you sure that's what you saw? (laughs) The angel wrapped his arm around Wally's shoulder in a way Wally had seen friends do. Wally couldn't help noticing how firm the hand was. I'm p- positive. It was Frank went up to her room. I, I, I watch it sometimes. I'm not, it's not, I'm not that, I'm not a creep. I just that not everyone is so nice to Cordelia and I, I want to make sure she's okay, you know? You want to keep her safe. That's right, safe. She's a princess and these guys like Roach, they treat her like the hand gripped tighter. Anyway, Frank went into her room And he had that satchel of his, and he said, I don't have any money, and she put her finger on his lips and let him inside. 
when he came out, and he didn't have no satchel. Now that's very interesting. The angel turned to face Wally directly. You know that I'm powerful. Well, I ain't never seen no one punch through a man's face before. Deputy Bob still shaking about the sheriff. But it made sense when you told me you were an angel. And, well, angels are close to God, and no one is more powerful than he is. For a moment, it looked like the angel was angry. But then he smiled widely, and Wally felt safe. I'm powerful, but you have something even stronger. Love. That love makes you special, Wallace. What do you say about that? Wally had always hoped he was special. It was the only way he could save Cordelia when so many others had tried. But that wasn't him. That was a job for powerful men, for angels. He'd never been good or fancy. It's just Wally, he mumbled. My parents never called me Wallace. Not that it matters. On the contrary, names matter very much, Wally. And yours will be remembered for great things. Now, how would you like to save Cordelia? Wally stared at the door in front of him. He'd seen it many times before, usually from down the hallway, where he lingered as he kept watching the men coming and going from Cordelia's room. He'd tried to work up the courage to knock before, but now that he was on a mission from an angel, he figured he'd better get on with it. He wrapped the old wooden door with his knuckle, and Cordelia opened it seconds later, just like she was waiting for him. There was no one else in the room, of course, Wally had already known that. I was wondering when you'd show up, Cordelia said. Her voice was so sweet it made him question if she really was the angel. Wally opened his mouth, but he couldn't remember how to make words come out of it. (laughs) Cordelia reached out and closed his mouth and placed her hand on his cheek. Why don't you come in? Wally had never been in Cordelia's room before. It wasn't exactly what he had imagined. There was a bed covered with plain white sheets, a table with some old chairs that had the paint chipping off, and a dresser that wasn't in much better shape. Sitting on the top of the dresser was Frank's satchel. The room was so small to hold so much of Wally's future. Now that he had finally breached the doorway, he wouldn't be here for long. He was going to take Cordelia away. He just had to get the satchel to the angel. Cordelia, thanks for having me. I I hope you're doing well. Actually, I've had a bit of a rough... I was hoping you would give me that satchel that that very bad man Frank left you with so I can fulfill a promise. Calm down, honey. Take a seat. What are you talking about? Wally didn't want to sit down. He thought if he did, he wouldn't be able to get back up again to do what he needed to do. His cheek was still hot from where Cordelia had touched it. The the angel explained it to me. He came through, uh, and and though he can't take the bag himself, and, and then I can't take it unless you give it to me, but if you won't give it to me, there are some words I can say. It, it's... He said it's like marriage, you know? It's a ritual that turns two people who love each other into one family. It's like that, but the words are more confusing. He made me memorize them, said I, I couldn't write them down. Honey, you're scaring me. I think you should go. You'll, you'll understand soon. Wally thought of the words that the angel had taught him, and suddenly he felt calm. He had to say them clearly, then offer up a truth, the angel had called it, binding him to Cordelia. Non possum crudere quod vidite est, suas justus inepta fabula. As he spoke, the air around him crackled. Wally felt power coursing through him. Sed non est mirable est interete. Energy swirled around Cordelia, holding her to the ground. Suddenly, he could hear the angel's voice in his head. Now share the truth. Bind your souls and your will will be hers. In the depths of all that I know to be true, Wally said, I love this woman before me named Cordelia. Lightning shot through the ceiling of Cordelia's room and struck Wally directly in the chest. He reached up and felt blood with his quivering hand. The energy binding Cordelia disappeared and Wally could hear the angel screaming in his head, You fool! It needed to be the truth! It was the truth, Wally said. He coughed as the room began to dim. I love Cordelia. Well, that's just bullshit, Cordelia said. (laughs) This couldn't be right. There had to be some explanation. The angel wouldn't lie to him. You don't love me. You didn't even want me. 
Of course I do, Wally said. His head was swimming as he tried to make sense of what was happening. No, you don't. If you had wanted me, you could have had me at any time. Roach does it at least twice a week. You wanted to take me away from here, make me something that I'm not. I've seen your type before, thinking you're my white knight. Never asking yourself once what I wanted. You never even bothered to learn my real name. Hmm. Wally tried to inhale, but found himself swallowing blood instead. The last voice he heard was the stranger he had thought he loved. Now die or get out, she said. This room is for paying customers. <laughs> the end. Oh. Fantastic. Or excuse me. There you go. That's the salacious I know and love. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, Andrew. It's the Crypt Keeper. You you got it. You got it. Yep. Good job. I totally bought it. You got to follow that now with a story. Oh, man. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, no, that was terrible. You know, don't say, don't say bad things. I, I, from what I hear, from what I hear, Andrew, you got a winner in your pocket. Ooh, that's what's down there. Yep. <laughs> so why don't we hear the winner? Okay, just before I just begin. Take it, take it out of the pocket. Take it out of the pocket. Oh, let's see. Hey, hey, let's, let's, things are going to stay where they are. Oh. Um... They're in the right place. They're going to stay in the right place. Stay where they're needed. Now, before I begin, like, we've told people that this is probably not best for children, right? We've, we've given them the, 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 the heads up that maybe if they're listening to this with younger ears around that they should stop. We've been, we've been swearing, right? We've been using I, I, swears, talking about I, prostitutes. I do believe that there is a disclaimer at the front end of this episode. So, I think we're covered. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure, because there are things in here that small ears shouldn't be hearing. And now, uh, your story, whatever it is, uh, is in first place. Aaron <laughs> <laughs> likes the swears. I love them cusses. Let's hear it. All right, here we go. Geraldine ignited the Zippo. Its dulcet flame wavered at the tip of her cigarette. Once lit, she closed the lighter with a sharp, experienced flick of her wrist and returned it into a pocket of her jacket. The black leather, zipper-clad piece was the only thing she was wearing there in Cordelia's room, seated at the edge of the woman's bed. Geraldine took a pull off the cigarette and relaxed her arm. Jostled by the slight movement, the open teeth of her jacket's front zipper grazed her breasts. Their bite was cool. She felt movement behind her. Cordelia, clad only in what the grace of God had granted her, rolled over to face her. Geraldine caught this in the reflection of the window before her. Cordelia had all the lamps in her room covered in red scarves, tinting the woman's alabaster skin in scarlet. Geraldine exhaled. Smoke drifted through the stunning sight. Fuck, Cordelia said with a shiver, fixing eyes on Geraldine through the window's reflection. You're amazing, Jer. I came like three times in the last five minutes. <laughs> Geraldine lifted and took a pull from the cigarette. She studied it idly for a moment, turning it between her pruny fingertips, before relaxing her arm again. <laughs> I think it's your turn now, Cordelia said, rising to her knees. She made her way over to Geraldine and pressed herself against her. Then she started to reach around Geraldine, her hand moving between Geraldine's legs. Geraldine caught the woman's wrist in a firm but careful grip. No, babe, Geraldine said, moving Cordelia's hand away. What? Cordelia asked. Why? Because I'm repentant. Geraldine lowered her head and took a pull. Cordelia moved her hand beneath Geraldine's jacket and stroked the curve of her back reassuringly. But all the fuckers you wasted deserved it, you said. Geraldine exhaled. She savored Cordelia's touch. Sure, but wrong is wrong. A playful smile curled on Cordelia's lips. Some would say what we just did is wrong. Geraldine felt Cordelia's hand sliding around front of her again. She rose from the bed. Two wrongs don't make a right, she said. <laughs> catching Cordelia's hurt expression in the window. It sure felt right, 
Cordelia said softly. Just then, a sound seeped through the window. A chorus of phlegmy howls. Cordelia's residual warmth fled Geraldine, replaced by a chill. The zippers of her jacket rattled softly. She felt their cool bite again and realized how naked she was. She glimpsed movement out in the fog. Fog in the damn desert, she thought. But that was hardly the strangest thing happening there at the Mission Hotel. Geraldine was used to ride the line between right and wrong, but this situation here, this was simply fucked. <laughs> Only a few hours ago, she'd watched what appeared to be a man punch clear through the head of the sheriff. That shit... That shit popped like a, like a water balloon. She'd watched the drifter, Frank, dispose of five of those... Well, her thoughts paused before the word for them appeared. It was the word her dad likely would have used for them, God-fearing man that he was. Demons. Frank had disposed of five of them without a second's consideration. Geraldine had raised her piece and taken aim. She'd locked onto the head of one. She saw its gray, decomposing skin. She saw its cheekbones protruding through ragged flesh. She told herself it wasn't human. That it would... That the thing would only do harm. But she hadn't been able to squeeze the trigger. It had used to be so easy. Her eyes moved to her piece now, which rested on the nearby side table. Her daddy's M1911. 45 cal. Standard issue from his Turin Nam. She considered it solemnly. Wrong is wrong, she thought. You didn't choke. You did what's right. You're repentant. But there had been something else, too, back when she'd locked onto the demon. A whisper in her thoughts, not her own. It had lingered there after the first scuffle, after they'd shut themselves inside the hotel and spread the blood from that vile key thing all around the doors and windows. When it grew more clear, she recognized it. It belonged to that man that she was sure was not really a man. The Collector. A new sound then brought Geraldine out of her head. The door. Someone was turning the knob outside. Both Geraldine and Cordelia turned. Geraldine took a step toward the side table. She felt all the tiny hairs rise in alarm beneath her jacket and across her bare skin. Vulnerability struck her. Her pussy was hanging out after all. <laughs> The door swung open gently, producing a sustained, haunting squeal. Eventually, it revealed the black hallway and a figure in its frame. The figure stepped into the rosy light. It was Roach. Cordelia relaxed and let out a groan. She grabbed a pillow off the bed and threw it at the man. Damn it, Roach! She cried. You scared the shit out of us! Roach cocked an eyebrow and smirked. Geraldine watched his eyes move up and down both her and Cordelia without any regard for propriety. His gaze lingered longest on Geraldine. Her nakedness was new to him. Nice jacket, he said to her, sauntering a few steps into the, further into the room. <laughs> Fuck off, asshole, Cordelia said. She rose from the bed casually and produced a robe from her closet. Geraldine remained still. Something wasn't right. Earlier... While everyone else had been running around spreading that blood around the doors and windows, Roach had fled back to his room in panic. Now he was cool as a cuke. <laughs> what you doing here, Roach? Geraldine asked. Came to check on Cordelia, he said. Didn't, uh, expect you to be here. He gathered an eyeful of her pussy as he spoke. <laughs> Whatever, asshole, Cordelia scoffed as she finished tying her robe. Jair's here. I'm fine. Fuck off. Roach's eyes met Geraldine's, but he continued to address Cordelia as if Geraldine wasn't even there. So you think Geraldine can keep you safe from them monsters, huh? Didn't she, uh, freeze back there when they was all rising from the ground? Weren't you, uh, pissing in your pants? Cordelia snapped in return. <laughs> Roach chuckled and shrugged. Was a temporary shock. I'm all better now. So, he took a few more confident steps toward Geraldine. I think it would be best if I had the peace. Geraldine sidestepped, positioning herself between Roach and the side table. He stopped his approach near the foot of the bed. Get out of here, Roach, Cordelia urged. Now, I ain't gonna do that, he said. 
I don't think women belong carrying such dangerous things. It's man's job to protect. That smirk remained fixed on his lips, and his, not, and his eyes never wavered from Geraldine's. She returned his glare, fighting back the fear inside her. Funny, she said. I never needed no man for that. Her expression <laughs> dared him to proceed further, but truly she wanted nothing of the sort. Roach grinned. Well, we'll see about that. With a massive crash, the nearby window shattered inward, spraying shards of glass across the room with force. Geraldine shielded her face with her arms as glass pieces cut and scratched at her exposed legs. When she lowered her arms, she saw the hideous form in the window. Its gray, rotting skin hung loose on exposed bone and reeked of sulfur. Its yellowed eyes bulged with green veins. She watched as it first fixed those eyes on Roach, who nodded in Geraldine's direction. At this gesture, the beast turned to her and let out a horrible, guttural howl. As its wet, sickening breath enveloped her, Geraldine felt time slow. She considered this thing howling in front of her. It was manlike in shape. It had a head and arms and legs. It had a face, too, with a mouth and eyes. Oh, those terrible eyes. She stared into them, open wide and round with unnatural large black pupils in the center of each. She met those pupils with her own. Her gaze even seemed to penetrate them. She felt her whole self falling into their blackness. She fell deeper and deeper inside, passing beyond the reach of the rosy light. She fell, and she did not feel any rush of air across her bare skin or roar of wind in her ears. She fell, and she saw nothing. Nothing but void, because there was nothing inside this creature. Geraldine then heard a scream, as if from a distant place. It was a woman's scream, but it was not her own. Cordelia. In a flash, the rosy light returned, and she felt the rush of warm air along her cheeks. Next, the cool, textured stock for Daddy's forty-five was in her hand, and she was looking down its short barrel into the yellow-ringed empty pupils of the demon. She squeezed the trigger, and the monster's head exploded in green viscera. She didn't linger for one moment on the grisly sight. She turned around, planted her feet, and locked onto her next target. Holy shit! The collector cried gleefully through Roach's mouth. I never seen <laughs> someone move so goddamn fast. You give old Frank a run for it. <laughs> Geraldine's gut tightened. The collector had Cordelia in his, gla- in his grasp, holding a large shard of glass to her neck. Blood oozed down his palm from his tight grip on the glass, leaving trails of red on Cordelia's white robe. Even so, the collector continued, I don't think you're fast enough to stop me from spilling this little lady's lifeblood all over these nice sheets. So please, <laughs> pretty pretty please, toss the piece down on the bed there. Jer, Cordelia uttered. Her whole body was shaken. Geraldine became sick with worry at the sight. Only a few minutes ago she had held this woman close and made her feel secure. Even in so vulnerable a state, with no clothes or sheets between them. Now Geraldine felt helpless, unable to make this sweet, beautiful woman safe. Geraldine stared down the sights of her daddy's gun, locked onto the face of Cordelia's attacker, finger on the trigger. It had been so easy, even just a minute before. But this wasn't the face of a hideous demon, nor was it that of the man she knew wasn't really a man. It was Roach's face she was looking into. And Roach was a man. Sure, he was a greasy fuckball of a man, but he was flesh and red blood, and there were rights inside of him beneath, uh, underneath all the wrongs. She could recognize that. She knew someone else like that. So she tossed the gun on the bed. The collector grinned with Roach's teeth. Much obliged. He dropped the shard of glass and pushed Cordelia aside. She stumbled to the floor with a grunt. He reached out to the gun with his bloodied hand, dripping life all over the sheets, and squeezed the stock. Then he screamed, Fuck! <laughs> Geraldine's jaw went slack. Smoke was rising from the collector's bloody grip on her daddy's gun. He dropped it back onto the sheets and held out his hand. It was charred black, burnt. <laughs> then Geraldine did something she never would have expected to do in such a horrific, in such a horrific moment. With a possessed man screaming in front of her in a room in a hotel surrounded by a horde of evil demons. <laughs> she laughed. 
Because of course, she thought, of course your daddy, the God-fearing man that he was, would have blessed his treasured 45 caliber handgun. <laughs> when you go to war, he probably said at some point, you best have God on your side. Hallelujah, Geraldine said aloud. And in a smooth, sweeping series of movement, Geraldine grabbed her daddy's blessed weapon of the Lord off the bed and brought it down on the collector's face. He fell to the ground with a meaty thud, unconscious. Before she had a moment's relief, Geraldine felt a warm, shaken embrace around her. Cordelia had wasted no time. The woman buried her tear-soaked face in Geraldine's neck. Oh my god, Jer! Cordelia muttered, relief in her voice. Oh my god! Geraldine felt warm tears on her neck, but it was okay. This was the sort of situation for crying. Geraldine might have even peed herself a little at some point. There was something running down her leg. She wrapped a comforting arm around Cordelia. I got you, babe, Geraldine said, rubbing Cordelia's back. I got you. She felt good. Maybe a little guilty at fucking up Roach's face, but not too much. She didn't shoot him. She wouldn't shoot any person. Not anymore. She had some repentant to do. However, that wouldn't stop her from wasting as many of those goddamn demons as she needed to in order to make this beautiful person in her arm safe. She would hold Cordelia for a while longer, but then she was going to put on some fucking pants and go to work. <laughs> That's the oh, end. Geez. Oh, wow. That was... You know, I don't know if that was a winner in your pocket, but that's something in your pocket. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, there's a lot of something in that. Presents spot, Tales spot from the Crypt presents. Pinkett in preparation. <laughs> yep. Spot on. Wow. There's there's a lot going on in these two in these two stories. Uh, and Andrew, I think I, I, I'm going to take a, take a shot in the dark. Say you went over our 1500 word, uh, recommended limit. Oh, oh my. Yes. yes. Oh yes. No, I, uh, this is about 2000. And <laughs> all right. All right. It's, uh, you know, and, it was a good 2000. Say no more. Say no more. It was a solid 2k. Yeah. Oh, so I, I'm just gonna, while we're all recovering from that, uh, Marcus, I'm going to make you talk. For a little bit, give uh, give Andrew a break. Sure. Yes, please. Uh, tell me, tell me about writing your piece, the much much shorter version of Demon Knight. What what's like the what's the biggest challenge to writing your piece? Well, the biggest challenge was being respectful of everyone's time and uh, trying to keep the <laughs> sex under fifteen hundred. <laughs> <laughs> good answer good answer uh, in a side joke but that, that was probably the biggest challenge here was this scenario that you gave us this pitch for demon knight had so many different avenues that i could have run down so many different characters and i was trying to think of what caught my attention and that pretty quickly put me towards wally and cordelia because they seemed like the biggest blank slates uh and I mm-hmm. liked the idea of flipping what this so-called love or obsession was with uh, Cordelia from Wally. But then yeah. I, I really had a hard time. Uh, initially, when I was thinking this through, I wanted there to be three scenes, really, where you'd have a scene with the collector with the demon. Uh, mm-hmm. You'd have a scene with Frank, and they're both saying like how to win over Cordelia in their own way. Oh, sure. Right? And then the scene with Cordelia is going to be similar to, to what it was um, in terms of her saying, what the hell? You can't win me, you know? You, mm-hmm. you don't even want me as I am. So when I was looking at all that, I just started kind of hacking it down to see what were the key moments that needed to happen here. Sure. And that's where I wound up with this story. So I wrote and deleted a lot of things as I was writing this. All right. Just so just keeping it, keeping it brief. Starts. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Andrew, uh, real quick, what's the biggest challenge to writing your uh, magnum opus? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Marcus says that he had this longer piece that he had to cut down. Well, I had a longer piece and I liked it so much I didn't want to cut it down. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I wrote this out, I, I outlined it pretty, um, pretty, uh, 
detailed, but uh, it, it I, I thought it was going to be a lot shorter than it ended up being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of action. Um, but uh, the challenging bits um, was... Uh, again, trying to get the, there was a lot of, there's a lot of action in this and there was a lot of things that I wanted to balance, uh, and trying to find the balance of all of those things and trying to keep the word count even to where it is, uh, was a challenge because there was the, uh, there was, there was the, the backstory with Geraldine that I wanted to get in, kind of like introduce you to her before the action all kicks in and I Mm -hmm. definitely wanted a demon in it. I wanted to do a demon. I wanted one of those gross, ugly demons in it. And I also wanted to do the collector thing. There was just so many good things that I wanted to do. There were so many exciting things that I just, I couldn't turn away from them. So sure. I just threw them all in. And that's gotcha. how it went. All right. Well, you know, now's the time, the part of the show where we have to actually choose winners um, and losers, most importantly of all. <laughs> Um, so between the two of you, this is tough. There's, I mean, I'll get into the nitty gritty later, but there's, it's all over the place. Um, from the two of you, there are parts that you hit very well. Most, mostly stuff that is nowhere near the source. Um, so I have to say that the winner is actually uh, several people. It's Ethan Reif, Cyrus Voris, and Mark Bishop, the writers of the actual Demon Knight. And don't forget director Ernst R. Ernest R. Dickerson. So obviously they get top billing here. I should have known. They wrote it best. You should have (laughs) known. And, uh, but second place right behind them, it's Marcus. (gasps) Of course Marcus. Marcus's short and sweet piece. Uh, very, very well done. Andrew, you did slightly worse. <laughs> but I honestly think the only thing that kept you from that winner's circle, you know, that winner's circle that consists of Marcus and the real writers, uh, is the fact that that was like 30 goddamn minutes. <laughs> you know what? No regrets. No, no regrets. regrets. No regrets. Sometimes you just got to follow it and you got to follow your dreams at that's expense true. of the win. You do that's you true. Know, just, you gotta, that's what happened. You just got to the... take those pruny fingers and write your heart's <laughs> content. Yeah, you got it. You know. Oh, my. Can we talk about this? Can Please. we talk about this story? Can we talk about Andrew's story before yes. anything else? Sure. Because that is still the freshest on my mind. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. That was that was the uh the triple X parody of <laughs> of uh Demon Knights. And you know what? I would actually be totally fine with that. If this was like actually like an X-rated movie, total exploitation sort of thing. But uh you know, if it was, I feel like Roach wouldn't have been there to talk. Well, what was that line Andrew wrote saying? He gathered up an eyeful. <laughs> gathered up an eyeful. Yeah, he it, gathered up an eyeful of her pussy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had some uh, some very vivid imagery. Your, yes. Your, uh, your language in this was spot on. <laughs> it was great. What? Where did that come from? Who is this character? Why is Jada Pinkett Smith just like some grizzled, hard fucking cowboy? Played by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> well, I tried to... It was kind of the, uh, the the narrator was the character I was playing, I guess. Yep. <laughs> uh, more than trying to be Geraldine herself. Um, uh. I know, this just sounded like one of those dirty, you know, terrible 90s movies that's just... Like, it's in this hotel, there's a prostitute, it's demons, it's gross stuff. It just struck me as the sort of thing that would be, I mean, not not bottomless nudity probably, but <laughs> definitely nudity, lots of exploitative elements. So I just was like, you know what, I'm going to do an exploitation scene. I'm going to just go, there's going to be naked women, there's going to be guns, there's going to be demons... And I'm just going to throw it all in and have a good time and just embrace the kind of greasy fuckballedness of it. And, <laughs> oh, that's uh, so great. And had a good it, time. But I still wanted it to, I still wanted Geraldine to be the lead killer and I wanted, or lead character and killer. Poo-poo. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's kind of where it all came from. That's great. This had it all. 
Uh, no Frank in either of these stories. Though, as Marcus pointed out, the plan was to include Frank. Right. And cut for time. Uh, so that's interesting. I don't have a, a criticism. That's fine. You can choose to ignore Frank if you like. But uh, interesting that uh, we had a lot of Cordelia. I mean, a lot of Cordelia in Andrews. Uh, <laughs> but Cordelia and both. We heard everything. We, we've already already heard everything. Uh, yeah. So good, good job. Uh, what, uh, what, did, what did you like about this? What was fun, uh, Marcus? What did you like about writing your piece? Oh, so one thing I have to throw out that I liked about how oh, Andrew yeah, and I yeah, that's better. What did you like about about Andrews? Well, a- Andrew and I converged on this one thing that really made me chuckle, which is that we both casually threw out the punching the hole through the sheriff's face. Yeah, yeah <laughs> something good, that yeah. had already happened. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's a good escalation. Uh-huh. Well, that's such a weird thing that that'd be something that would stand out in these characters' minds. The 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 the, the, the not Frank ones. Like, holy crap, shit, that just happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a weird weird thing. Uh, so yeah, I, I really I enjoyed Andrew's piece quite a lot. Um, it was it was very graphic. Uh, I, I think that Andrew, you did a, a good job of establishing character. I thought the theme of wanting to repent was interesting. Um, there's kind of a dogma-esque moment there with the gun that was fun mm-hmm. that I enjoyed with oh, the, the blessed gun. Like the uh, cardinal right. was the kind of asshole who would bless his own golf clubs. I didn't even make that connection, but that's totally what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good, good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you noticed that. That's good. And I, I thought your your language is very purposeful and interesting. You, you painted a lot of pictures <laughs> with the with the way you're writing. So I enjoyed yep. that. Good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. So I, I had a, uh, like I said, the challenge was figuring out what the heck I was going to write. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I had come up with this whole plot where Frank was, the whole satchel thing was like a trap. And he was going to yeah. play through all this. And uh, just didn't fit into the story because when I was going from Wally's perspective, it didn't make as much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I like playing with demon rules, names. That's always a fun thing. That's one of my favorite magic tropes that the power of names so i tried to lay that seat early with the wallace not wally Mm -hmm. um and then the the reveal that he doesn't even know her name um was a it's a fun thing to try to work into this that was that was the structure that i had pretty early on was that that was going to be the conclusion sure yeah no that's a very very strong moment that you chose kind of this like what are you talking about you don't even know me you don't even know my name you know, is like the the most minor of things that Wally doesn't understand about her. Um, that's fantastic, though. Uh, t- to be honest, it's far too deep for Demon Knight. Like, <laughs> I, I early when when Andrew started his Triple X uh, adventure in uh, the Mission Hotel, I was thinking, oh, he's got this. Marcus has got, or Andrew's got this because uh, this is way closer to the source material. Uh, but uh, Marcus, you did a really good job tackling that subject. That's a complicated topic, and you, I think you handled it really, really well, even if it wasn't Demon Knight-esque. Thank you. Well, you know, I, guys are the oh. worst. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so. it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's like you're pointing out the difference between love and idealization or idolization, yeah. you know? The, the language hurt me to write, like, from the beginning, where Wally's going, how he's going to win her, and he has all these scenarios, and yep. he never once considers anything about how she feels. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, speaking of that, the perspective is so strong, that voice, that Wally voice narration is a really great POV. You feel his, like, I don't know, his neuroses, you just get his character from the way he speaks in the narration that was really 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 strong thank you yeah i thought it it. was interesting that you so you said that so so what made you choose the wally character you said it was just because they were the blank slates that you had the least about them that drew you to him yeah that that drew me to him and i think uh maybe i just had something i wanted to get out about how terrible people can be talking about relationships um and so in this description where all we had on cordelia was prostitute active those were the two mm-hmm. notes i had yeah. Uh, yeah and wally you know is a sad sack and he's uh, madly 
infatuated with Cordelia. I just wanted to explore what that could mean. And he also seemed like, because of that, classic demon target. You know? Sad guy who wants something out of his reach. And I really wanted to play with that in The Collector. Definitely, definitely. No, and that's where my mind went too with choosing Roach to have the collector be the mm-hmm. one because I was like, it needs to be one of the the, the weaklings, you know, one, and definitely one of the dudes, um, because all the ladies sounded awesome except for Cordelia, who was just the active prostitute. <laughs> so yeah. we knew about her. Um, uh, but the uh, I, I I just thought that your your piece so well captured that character's psychology, like. Just, just the, 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 I, I knew that guy. Like, he, he, you know, it, it, like, and I sympathized with him, too. You know, like, that this guy has been, like, he's just, he, he's down on his luck all the time. You know, he's never, like, had anything. And so he has this warped worldview, you know, and it's like, you know, of course there's, you can fault him for some of it, but it's also just, like, from where he's probably come from. Like, I don't know. It was just something about this guy that I really recognized yeah, and he's understood. A, he's a lovable loser. He's a sad sack. He's a real dumpy Dave. <laughs> if I may oh, reference Dave. our The Thing episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> reference in last season. Yeah, so I just, I thought that that was really well crafted. Thank um, you. That character. Yeah. Oh, so one, one thing that was fun writing this too was... Uh, Originally, I was referring to the collector as the demon, um, and then it just totally clicked to me that no, he's going to say he's an angel. That mm-hmm. there's going to be this this dissonance, and that plays into Wally's story much better. That's yeah. great. Yeah, like this righteousness, like yeah. that's playing into uh, his probably Christian upbringing. Like mm-hmm. it just it it again just it, that exploiting his this these 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 aspects of him these and the weakness it just it worked so well absolutely yeah. yeah and and you did really great you kept it short and sweet it didn't seem like there was any extra fluff in your story it was concise you said everything you needed to you got in you got out bada bing bada boom <laughs> uh you know as as opposed to andrews uh but, hey just, now just hey saying. both stories took place in cordelia's room yeah that's, that's true that was that's interesting true. Um, so Andrew, uh, if I may make one, uh, one criticism, please, one serious criticism of yours, uh, I think actually if you, if you had taken the time to go back through and edit, I think there's easy 500 or if not six, 700 words you could have taken out of that and you would have still had the same story. I think that scene that you had could fit. You just, you got to start a little bit later. You know, you start at the entrance. Because you can sum up, like, when Roach comes in the room, you can sum up what was happening in the room. You know, it's going to be uh, Geraldine and Cordelia, like, all over each other. So, you know, there's a lot you can do to cut out that kind of slow beginning and get to the action quicker. Sure, sure, yeah. I would agree. I, I think uh, if this had started with Cordelia reaching around um, Geraldine and her saying, no, I'm repenting, that would be a much... That's the statement of this story that I got. So if Mm -hmm. if it would have started with that, then I have her motivation right away. As it was, it felt like a bit of a turn going from this very graphic scene into the more pressing action and and drama and conflict. Um, Mm. So, and you could even sprinkle more of that explicitness throughout but i think starting with that motivation would have uh sold it for me more and would have helped cut it down a bit sure no that's good i like that yeah good advice but it's still very vivid Uh, i really like the texture of your piece thank Uh, you i mean you both had fantastic just perspective that voice that you both used is so unique and good and strong different it was interesting to listen to. It wasn't a bland narrator in both cases. And Andrew, that voice that you were using, that was just great. <laughs> it, was it was just great to be able to, to say a line like, "Oh, her pussy was hanging out after all." <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, we put that up after the credits. <laughs> just Andrew saying. Andrew had some that. trouble saying that one. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be interested in how we'll that get, cuts. We'll put that the bloopers at the uh, very end. Oh, that killed me. Uh, it's great, but this movie, Demon Knight, what is actually, this movie? 
It's fantastic. It's actually so good. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I didn't expect it. It seems like it should be trash, but it's just good times. Billy Zane. So if you want to check it out, and you do, uh, you can find it on like Amazon Video, Google Play, YouTube, iTunes. You got to pay for it. Uh, it's not, it's currently as of this recording, not on Netflix or any or do, do Hulu they or subscription Bitcoin? services. I heard Bitcoin uh, is a thing now. Uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know how I Bitcoin works. I heard some works. youths talking about it. Oh, those youths! Well, these youths have never heard of Demon Knight, so okay. don't be like them. And watch this movie. I'm so excited to watch this, this movie. I hope this is like a, you know, let's give ourselves some credit. You know, maybe this will start a wave of Demon Knight can support. We, can we campaign to write the Demon Knight sequel? <gasps> we should bring it back. Like, Billy Zane, Zane is still Zane, alive. Yeah. yeah, why not? He's okay. probably not on, you know, hard drugs or anything like that. Washed up actors from the 90s. What is Billy Zane up to these days? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Let's find uh, out. What's that, what's find that Jada out. Pinkett doing? Where no. did her career go? Ah, Scientology. She was just in, uh, she was just in uh, that, uh, what was it called? Girls' Night? Oh, yeah. That was a really big film this summer. Can we get, uh-huh. get Jaden Smith to that be one, in this? would be great. I would love that. Let's make that movie. Let's pitch it. All right, we're coming for you, Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> you think somebody could just around? buy up that property? I mean, is, what's it? What's that been doing? We could I, probably take it. For I nothing. hope we can lease it. With like two or three bitcoins tops, and it's ours. Anyway, uh, no go watch the movie. I'm gonna get going. Uh, and you guys can keep talking. I'm, but I'm gonna yeah, leave. I would say you're just gonna leave. We're, I'm, yeah. I was thinking of staying, sticking around, just so, hanging out. So that was Sham Fiction. Good night, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Laters. Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Hey recruits, Special Agent Andrew here. Next time on Sham Fiction, we're delving into depths that few have dared to delve. It's not the deepest ocean, nor cave, nor canyon. It's not really a place at all. It's a state of mind. The mind of a killer. And there, we will hunt. Minds. Oh. This isn't really working. Sorry, everybody. Mindhunter. Uh, we're jamming Netflix's Mindhunter, which uh, explores the early days of the FBI's behavioral science unit and the development of criminal profilings. Pretty cool. It will be an episode you should pay special mind to. Okay, I'm done. Bye. This has been a Two Jackets production. Geraldine took a step toward the side table. She felt all the tiny hairs rise in alarm beneath her jacket and across her bare skin. Vulnerability struck her. Her pussy was hanging out after all. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That one snuck up on me. I forgot about that one. All right. All right. I'll take that again. Uh, Vulnerability struck her. I'm sorry. All right. Okay, I got this. I got to step back like a 10-year-old. All right.